Welcome to The Black Athlete, a podcast where we put the past into the present of black sports. I'm Lewis Moore. I'm Derek White. We're sports historians here to give you the historical context for contemporary black athletes. And welcome back to The Black Athlete. I'm Lewis Moore, author of I Fight for a Living and We Will Win the Day. And you can check out my Audible on the African American Athlete on Amazon. Good evening. Uh, my name is Derek White, the author of The Challenge of Blackness, the Institute of the Black World and Politics in the 1970s, as well as Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Jake Gaither, Florida A&M, and the History of Black College Football. Welcome back, Lewis Moore. How are you, sir? Oh, man. It's, it is good to be back. It is, it, is, it is March. It is March. So we have two more months of school left. And then I will be teaching summer school. No, but it, but it's good, man. It's it's, <laughs> it's good. I, I gotta say, I um, I had a chance for a vaccine, and I and and the way these vaccines work, I was like ten minutes too late and calling back, and I was like, nah, you can't can't do that no more. So I'm still no no vaccine. Uh, but I'm but I'm working on it. Okay, uh, I have already had my first shot of vaccine, and we'll have the second one uh friday i think yeah so here at the university of kentucky in lexington uh we are doing uh a commendable job at least as far as i can tell folks of my uh my parents as well as my wife have uh both gotten their shot uh both doses of the vaccine already so uh i'm pretty excited yeah my wife's a doctor and my my parents are over 70 so they're like in the primary group (laughs) so i'm clearly the outlier uh, in this group Um, but yeah, so we're moving forward here. Um, and then what else is happening? Like, you know, the world is still spinning, I guess. Um, Wes, we're almost of- like one year out, right? And and almost one year to the day of Rudy Gobert being silly, the NBA is like, yeah, we're going to hold an all-star game in Atlanta and lock everybody yeah. in for a day. So yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, man, I think we should actually, uh, this is a we're, we're, this is us planning on the fly here for our, our, our astute listeners. Um, we should do a one year anniversary of the COVID and really think about what that means in terms of sport and whatnot, race, sport, and et cetera. Maybe we'll do that next week. Cause I think next week would be the one year, right. You know, right. When everything kind of comes, uh, you know, go, comes back. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's been a year. <laughs> it's hard to fathom. <laughs> I mean, a year. I've been home a year. Like that's, yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man. So what what are we talking about today? What's our what's our big topic? You, you know, the big topic is what hasn't changed in the history of sports, especially called sports, <laughs> right? And 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 especially since let me put this, especially since the integration of college sports and and we'll say the mass integration of college sports. And that is this idea that and and to still coach McDermott and we'll get to that in a bit still his words that this is a modern day plantation. It is a plantation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there are certain expectations of black athletes um, who aren't paid, but who make these universities a lot of money, even mid majors like Creighton, right. Who are now in mm-hmm. a big, a big major, I believe they're in a big major conference. If not, they get a lot of attention. Right. Um, and, and that hasn't changed, right. Whether there's a pandemic or no pandemic, the exploitation of these athletes, uh, specifically these these black athletes in these uh, these major revenue generated sports, has not changed. Yeah, no. Um, uh, Billy Hawkins, who is a, at the University of Houston, who has a fantastic book called uh, "New Plantation," which it really examines this kind of this this idea of race and sports, and, and especially at the collegiate level. Uh, and it is plantation is is really what it is. It, it, it you know at some level it is uh, a, an inequitable system, an inequitable system that is uh, built on the labor uh, of of overwhelming majority of black male uh, and female athletes who are you know who are generating revenue for the entire athletic department. So these seven figure salaries that your favorite head coach gets. The AD, all you know, a considerable amount of the facilities, uh, as well as 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 Victoria Jackson at Arizona State constantly notes, it's also funding non-revenue sports like track and field, 
cross country golf, tennis, uh, et cetera. And so this is a is a is a business model that is hyper exploitative. Uh, and in this hyper exploitation, there's also additional levels of exploitation uh, and disrespect um, built into it. And and part of that is uh, that these donors, <laughs> these donors at these big time institutions uh, too often act like they're owners of teams, right? And they want to fire players for voicing their opinion, uh, for using their education, uh, and that these donor class, and we had no better example of that than this week uh, at the University of Texas. Right, right. And and it's really, it's this, how do I put this? It's this kind of, as we said, this pandemic, this is a pandemic story, right? This is um, the, the you know, the eyes of Texas song has been around for, for more than a hundred years, but that, that it's this kind of, you know, nationwide controversy in the, in, in the field of sports is, is relatively new and it starts in June, right? When, when people, when college athletes and specifically black athletes start speaking out. And I, I know we had this conversation um, last week when we were talking about our last episode, when we were talking about Doyle, right? This mm-hmm. reawakening. And I said it before, like I was, I was asked to be on a panel in December and this was in June. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to write about the revolt of the college athlete 2.0. Right. Cause I thought in that moment that there's no way these games are going on because right. every black athlete at every institution was like, yeah, you know, you're not just going to call us this and you're not going to do this. And then for Texas is, Oh yeah. What about this song? Mm-hmm. And you saw it during the season, you know, come, come, come out and play where they're like, yeah, we're not staying out in this song. And if our listeners don't by now don't know the song, it's the eyes of Texas. And it is, and this is what we were talking about in, in pre-show, and this is the problem, right? This is the problem with these 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 universities, these PWIs. And it's really the problem that we have in the United States is that these traditions that we hold on to started in Jim Crow, started in slavery, right? Whenever we talk about constitution and founding fathers, it's like part of the problem of our society, right? Is mm-hmm. that we hold on to traditions and we follow what slave owners said. And then we'll say, oh, they're a product of their time. Right. And it's yeah. the same thing with Texas and their tradition. This song starts when the university, when the state, where the school system was Jim Crowed, right? <laughs> right. It starts when minstrels were the most popular form of entertainment in America. We often don't talk about that, right? That that mm-hmm. minstrels were literally the most popular form of entertainment. That is this kind of this blackface, right? Whites getting up in blackface. And that never leaves these institutions, right? Even in integration, you still see people with blackface on campuses, right? Mm-hmm. The Virginia, I believe the Virginia governor, right? Just got busted yeah. in a couple of years and he just moved, ah, we just moved on. That was that was a silly mistake. But that song comes from that, right? Yeah. And it's like here they are, these students are like, look, we're not doing this anymore. You want me here at this institution? Fine. You want me to win these football games? Fine. But I no longer want to be part of this racist relic. Yeah. And then reality sets in. As you say, these boosters. Oh, the like boosters. The boosters are, you know, they're they're owners, right? They're they're the ones, and this is the way that you know, because to be honest, like these athletic departments refuse to live within their means, right? So the TV contract which Texas has, which is you know probably the best, because they have the Longhorn Network with ESPN, is like the best single kind of entity outside of Notre Dame. Um, they have national brand. They have a pretty decent conference uh, with the Big Twelve TV con- deal. Um, and they make, a, you know, you can buy Texas gear in any state in the union, right? Like you go in, if there were sports stores and malls still in existence, right? You could still buy that gear. And so they're not like, you know, they're in the top in apparel, right? Um, and I think that that's important, uh, to understand where they are in the, in the, in the litany. And so they don't even need in some ways these $7 million, right? But they do, right? Because, because, you know, you know, a $200 million budget, what's 200 million when you could have 250 million. And so they're trying to raise another 50 million every year. And that, you know, the stadium that holds, I don't know, a hundred thousand people, you know, we need to upgrade it. Uh, and, you know, and so we got to ask these folks 
so we can get to 105,000 people. You know what I mean? Like it's always something else in part. And one of the reasons that there's always something else and there, and there's such demand for these donor money is because they're not paying the players. And so in order to maintain this nonprofit status, that, that it's a, it is a win-win, right? That these boosters who are looking for a, a tax break that gives them uh, access to a space that they enjoy, college football, are using that tax break now to 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 claim and to to um, direct the the actions of this institution and these predominantly black players who are basically getting an athletic scholarship and overwhelmingly uh, the the majority of the black players on that team are from Texas so they're paying in state tuition right <laughs> you right. know like <laughs> so it's not even like a situation where it's like you know, they're going to Harvard and it's costing them $70,000 a year. Like it's still, it's like, a, it may be 30,000 with room board and whatever. Um, but you know, like that's the same tuition we're giving the TAs uh, for the history department, right? Like, <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you know what it is too. And, and these boosters, especially in these, I would say all these schools, right? Because like, if we talk about the history of integration of sports, it takes a while for these teams to look like this. Like I, I, we talked about this in, in pre, not even pre, like yesterday when we talked in pre, pre, when you were like, I almost want to say like, fine, have an all white team. I was like, well, they, that's the last time they won. Right. Like in, in 1969, Texas wins with a, with an all white team. But yeah. you know, part of it is like these boosters are the reason I would, they're part of the reason why you have integration, right? Because they want to win. Right. Yeah. And no, and they and they use this a... money to control every aspect of it. And I think in their mind, mm-hmm. they're they're thinking, I'm this rich million multimillionaire or billionaire, and I'm giving this poor black kid a chance and he's gonna do what I want him to do, right? And you know, and if he does it, I'm gonna break him off fifty, I'm gonna break him off a hundred, and and maybe, right? Maybe he'll intern somewhere. I'll set up his intern in the summer somewhere. But if he doesn't do what I want him to do, and and this is what we're seeing from these Texas players, I'm gonna cut him off. Yeah. Right? You're you're not you're not working in this state again. Yeah. Right? No. And I mean, yeah. Can we talk about let's before we go into this real quick? I want to talk about a little for the folks who may not know. The Texas Tribune has a, a fantastic article. I mean, a fantastic article that came out yesterday that talked about um, uh, uh, the emails that the the school received, the University of Texas received in wake of uh, student protests uh, and black athletes not really standing for um, uh, the eyes of Texas, which is kind of like the school song. It was like a school fight song. Um, and... One of the things I want to get these emails right, so I want to get I want to read a couple of these because I think for folks who may not be as in tune to us but listen to us uh, on 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 the on the however they get their podcast, I want to read a couple of these quotes because I think some of it is like you know we're talking about it. It says, um, uh, "Let's see, let me just go a couple really juicy ones that were just amazing." Um, yeah, let's see. Oh, yes. It says, it is disgraceful to see the lack of unity and our fierce competitor, Sam Ellinger, who is the starting quarterback, who after a, a loss to Oklahoma was the only one on the field when the eyes of Texas played and he had his hook arms up. And this donor says, it is symbolic of the disarray of this football program, which you inherited. The critical race theory garbage has been embraced by the yeah. football program and the university is doing massive, ir- irreparable damage. Uh, so this is somehow a critical race theory's fault that they lost a game uh, to Oklahoma. Uh, I, you know, I'm not going to say how those two things are not related. Uh, in an interview, uh, this one guy says, um, he says, <laughs> let's see. Um, the UT needs rich donors who love Isaac of Texas more than they need one crop of irresponsible, uninformed students or faculty who won't do what they're paid to do. What are they paid to do? Mm. Yeah. Right? Like, right. Like, <laughs> right. Well, one, the athletes aren't paid to do anything. And then what are the faculty supposedly paid to do, but raise uh, interesting questions about the nature and the status quo where right? he walked. Right. Um, 
And let's see what else we have. There's another good one here. Uh, let me give a couple of good ones. I can't find the one about the blacks, which is my favorite. Like, I could not believe where we are. Let's see if I can. I'm going to do a good search real quick. No, oh, but what? Yes. Oh, oh, here it is. It. No, no. Yeah, I got it. It's time for you to put your foot down. Make it perfectly clear that the heritage of Texas will not be lost. Who, who donor who graduated in 1986. They didn't even graduate, right? Uh, it is sad that it is offending the blacks. As I said before, the blacks are free. <laughs> it is time for them to move on to another state where everything is in their favor. Uh, and then one else, uh, one student, uh, one donor whose name it was not redacted, Larry Wilkinson, who graduated in 1970, said less than 6% of our current student body is black. The tail cannot be allowed to wag the dog. The dog must instead stand up for what is right. Nothing forces those students to attend UT Austin, encourage them to select an alternative school now. And this is what he, you know, and so they go on much and much and they continue in this vein. Uh, and the, the Tribune noted that when they uh, studied this, that 70 percent of the, the emails were about, uh, you know, blaming uh, the administration uh, and the black players for not uh, standing up for the eyes of Texas. Right. Uh, and so only a, a smaller percent, like maybe only 11 full emails uh, did not say uh you know, recommended the ending of the song. So this is vast majority of the po people who are trying to email the institution and the AD um, are talking about preserve the song and put your black players and faculty in line. Uh, and so this is a very difficult situation for uh, UT, which is one of the finer institutions in America uh, um, on the academic side, but they still have a donor base that is hopelessly, uh, um, wedded to this and you know this racist song that they don't actually need right like this right. Is the crazy, they don't need it right right but it's 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 part of who they are and they don't really i mean what it comes down to is this and we said this in the pre-show is that there is this overwhelming um uh attitude amongst the donor class whether they're wealthy or not right is the sense that black people should be grateful for being allowed into the institution as if black folks are not part of Texas, that they are not, you know, citizens of the state and taxpayers. Right. right. Uh, and that their family lineage doesn't go all the way back to, you know, the beginning of the state in 1848 for some of them, right? Like there's a sense that like you, that black folks are always outliers. And I think this is part of the larger theme of America, right? Like then when black folks criticize America, the first response is um, leave it, leave, go back right. to where you, you come, yeah. right? You know, and, and when we see the, per in our current political climate, no one's telling these folks who are storming the Capitol, why don't you just don't storm the Capitol, go back to England or right. Germany or wherever you're from, right? Like, you know, like no one's telling them to do that because they have a sense of ownership that precludes and excludes black folks. And this is not just a Texas problem. This is just Texas is just now above, right. uh, above the, you know, above the water that we can now all see. Um, but this is, you know, a, a pretty common problem uh, at institutions all across the South uh, that were formerly segregated, uh, but also in the North as well that hold on to their own traditions that are uh, equally racist, uh, if not as explicitly so. Right. And, you know, there's a sense of that you don't belong here, right, on on, on PWIs in general, right? And so on the one hand, these athletes are, are seen as somebody who's, you know, here, this is this gift. And if it wasn't for this, you would have nothing. But I think the the general population of black students are, you know, across America treated like that. Somehow they don't belong, right? They are mm -hmm. still, even though like <laughs> these states don't have affirmative action, like there's still affirmative action cases, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, this is, oh, I can't wait to, you, you don't go here anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think that, that comes out, but I just, it's again, we, we come, I come back to it. It's just the optics of these, you know, very wealthy and I'm assuming white donors and this, you know, black majority team and, you know, these kids aren't allowed, these student athletes aren't allowed to make any money and they're being told what to do. 
it's just like, to me, it's just a disgusting situation. And we talked about this in the pre-show. Look, part of if you want students on your campus, part of it is you got to accept them who they are. And, and that might mean, you know, you got to get rid of these traditions. And I think this, this is not just, as you said, it's not just a Texas thing. We, I talked about this maybe 15 minutes ago. It's, not, it's an America thing. Mm-hmm. Like there are some things that you, you know, we just can't hang on to anymore. Yeah. Right. And and maybe songs from the days of minstrel shows or something we don't do. Maybe, you know, mm-hmm. maybe we're not publishing racist Dr. Seuss books anymore. Yeah. Right? Like this is just something, you know, because people 100 years ago didn't have the say. And now guess what? They have the say and, and, and it's time to move on. Let somebody write a new song. If they could do it for East Side High. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah. they can say people don't right? people don't right? people don't want to hear you say it. You can change eyes of Texas, right? Hire Riff, get Riff in there, right? Get yeah. Sam in there, put him in the bathroom, they'll come up with a new song for you. Done. <laughs> That's a deep lean on me cut. Yes, for, yes. For uh for our folks who have not uh, uh everyone's seen r.i.p uh, joe clark too right he just died this year right i believe if i'm not mistaken yeah i think so was, was it last was it this year or was it the end of 2020 i don't know it, it all is the same uh, it's still 2020 same. to me right it's still march okay. 2020 yeah that's that sounds fair um but yeah man it's a it's an interesting moment right and i let me just say this like and i think that the strategy the thing that I want to always say is that it, this is unfair because people ask me this question quite regularly about, um, you know, kind of returning HBCUs to glory and how this must happen. And I say quite, you know, honestly, like the power in this relationship is held by elite student athletes, right, who are 17 and 18 and 19 years old and their right. parents. And they, you know, they, many of them have dreamed of playing for Texas. And if that's their dream, then this is what they're going to get, right? Um, and they get their offer, that's a dream come true. But they're they're accepting these terms in recruiting, right? Recruiting is where this is where the rubber meets the road, right? When, when these elite recruits uh, who are black who decide that I'm not going to go to Texas, but I am going to go to some other institution, not Texas, um, uh, then I think that these institutions will have a, a moment because they really don't want a they really don't want a all white team because they know that they can't compete, even though that may be their dream. Right. Their last night national title comes with Vince Young at quarterback. Right. Like <laughs> that's that's part of the equation. Um, and I think that we uh, and, and that the state of Texas and the coaching staff knows that they cannot win. Um, they can't win without these players, dude. And they, they have made it much more difficult. I know this. I am. I this this moment in time calls for someone to be like Barry Switzer. If Barry Switzer was at Oklahoma when this faux pas happened, can you imagine what the press conference would be like of Barry Switzer? You know, because it's not to say Oklahoma's not racist, just Barry Switzer and Oklahoma understand that, like, look, this is how the game has it, how the game is being played, right? And we need to understand that this, the, our opponent, our arch rival in the Red River shootout somehow doesn't understand that this is how the game is being played. Um, and that's tactically terrible. Uh, and so I wonder if it's going to have any blowout blowback um, in this recruiting cycle or the next. Uh, I suspect that it'll be all forgotten by the time fall camp opens up in September or August. Um, but I suspect that some coaches are going to have uh, these emails, uh, uh, this story PDF'd in color right. on, on some really, you know, <laughs> some really sharp font. Uh, highlighting all the things and like, you know, here's what they think about you, right? Like this is, um, uh, you know, it reminds me of the Spike Lee um, Mookie when he's in uh, the diner talking to the son, Sal's son. Right. Oh yeah, you <laughs> like, like that part. That's yeah, your part. Like, that's my part, right? He's like, you know, who are you? And he's like, all these things, right? We can't even say these on the air. Um, and I think that that's an important piece of that conversation. 
Um, but let's change gears. Wait, uh, wait, wait. Let me say this oh, real oh, quick while oh, we're on oh, this, yeah. and then we'll, we'll change oh. gears. I think te- Texas is in trouble because it's not like – so Oklahoma had their own incident, what, about five years ago, six years ago. Uh, remember when that – it was spring practice and that frat, right? That frat oh, S-A- S-A- SAE, yeah, yeah. Right, and they had that racist song. And, you know, practice had to stop, right? Yeah. But Oklahoma's advantage in there is that you could stop practice, right? You could show these recruits that we could take – look, there's going to be races on campus, and every student-athlete knows this, right? Yes. And, and, it's, and they've talked about this for the last 70 years, right? What it's right. like to be a black – last 100 years, right? What it's right. like to be a black athlete on these PWIs, right? But yeah. you in, – in this day and age, you could stop that. In terms of recruiting, you know, try to squash that. You could be Missouri. You could fire your president. Texas is in a problem because you can't fire your boosters, or or they're not yes. willing to fire their boosters. Well, and, and the other reason they could fire the boosters, but the problem in Texas is uh, what also makes it unique is that you know these boosters are also uh, intricately wed to the to the state house, which is also in Austin, right? Like, and so. There's a there's a, a strong political that these men are not just oil men who are giving money. These are oper, you know political operators at the highest level of, of politics, right? And I think you can see some of this. This is not just um, frustration about wins and losses and and the song, but you also see the kind of you know to be honest, the Republican talking points about critical race theory. Like these people don't know. What, <laughs> like I, I know they don't know Derek Bill from from Steve Bill, right? Like they don't know any of those things, right? But I think that that's that's something that they think that they know because it is a is a point, right? There's a talking point uh, from that side of the aisle. Uh, and so I do think that 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 dynamic, you know, the political line is what keeps the athletic department in some ways from from coming in much more aggressively uh, than, say, Oklahoma. Right. Where I think that they could take on these stances. It's not to say that Oklahoma boosters aren't political. It just also means that Oklahoma as a football entity, the politics of Oklahoma are just smaller, to be perfectly honest. Right. Like That's it's a smaller state uh, than Texas. Um, and so, yeah, no. And I think that that's, it's, it's, you know, I, I'm actually looking and I just want to put this out there cause I'm a Maryland alum that, um, that if you, if it's somehow, uh, you are <laughs> considering the university of Texas, uh, you should consider the university of Maryland who is, uh, who has won two games against Texas, uh, Ooh. in the last years, uh, Shots and fired. shots fired. Uh, you can go check the tape. Those two things did happen. Uh, and I want to add that we also are the only PWI in the country with a black president, Daryl Pons, a uh, black athletic director, Damon Evans, and a black football coach, Mr. Michael Loxley. And so if you want to take, uh, if you are not trying to go to an HBCU, but you want to take to yourself your talents to a power five program that is in one of the elite conferences in America, the Big Ten, uh, and you want to play for a an entity that is concerned about your well-being, that is understands your legacy of of race and racism in America. We, I may I suggest uh, a University of Maryland uh, that you should get consider them as well. So that's my pitch. Shoot. They should send well, me out on. They should send me out on the road. I probably could be right. do good. Probably not. Um, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably not, but uh, it may work. But yeah, no, I think this is it. Uh, let's switch gears real quick because uh, Texas was not the only school to stumble uh, on the the path of racial reconciliation. <laughs> um, uh, shortly yesterday, we got news that Creighton's basketball coach uh, apparently said, uh, and again, I want to get this right because Lou sent this to me, so I couldn't believe that this happened yesterday. <laughs> And I was like, we were like, I told him to stay on the plantation. <laughs> He's told he me, said, stay on the plantation. He said, I don't want you to. Um, He's like, you know, we can't commit. It's a tough loss. Uh, he's like, I don't want you to. I want you to stay on the plantation. And in his apology, he gave us the whole uh, the whole statement. And I just could not believe that this head basketball coach said stay on the plantation like right. that doesn't even make sense as a statement like it's as not a, a statement nobody has said since 
I would say Jan, Ju, June 20th, 1865, maybe June 19th, <laughs> but I think around June, after Juneteenth, it was June 20th in, in Texas there, like stay on the plantation. That's the only time I can think about this, right? Or maybe during the Civil War, maybe he's watching Gone with the Wind. I haven't seen that movie, but it's right. just one of those things where you don't, we don't even use that terminology on, on the one hand. And, and it's like, he says the quiet part out loud, right? Like this, yeah. this idea that plantations, what comes to your mind as you look at these exploited, these 12 exploited bodies, right? Right. Is, to me is very telling. Um, and it's just, it just, it encompasses what cause sports has become, right? It is to me, it is a plantation. Now, when you say that, or and we talked about this before, in, in, in American history, when you say slavery, you call something slavery, you do it for a reason, not necessarily because it's apples to apples, right? Mm-hmm. But there's some form of exploitation. But you want listeners to know how horrible it is. Because in America, we 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 think we know how horrible slavery was, right? And, and mm-hmm. so... Well, I talk about Jack Johnson, right? And the Man Act, they call it the white slave trade, right? Um, right. <laughs> you'll see baseball players in the 1880s. We talk about Kurt Flood in 1969, 1970, but baseball players in the 1880s mm-hmm. compared baseball with, you know, the reserve clause to, to slavery, right? It's yeah. to, to pique people's interest because they know what it is. And so for the last, you know, 60 to 70 years, people have been noting that college uh, sports, big time college sports, so first football and then basketball, is operating a lot like the slave system, right? Where you have, whether you want to call the 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 coaches that are under control, the overseers, but but mm-hmm. but you have this kind of power dynamic, this economic not only is economic power dynamic, right, but also this this power dynamic where this person has control, really complete control over your life um, for four to five years if you're not. If you're not NBA bound, right, mm-hmm. it is four to five years, and if you don't do what they say, right, you're gone. But at the same time, you're being there. Your being successful earns them bonuses, right? It earns the school money. It earns the conferences money. Everybody's getting paid. Yes, but that 19 or 20 year old student athlete. Right. And so yes. when he says and he calls this a plantation, we all ought to just pause like, dang, this is really a plantation. Even if you misspoke or not, it's a plantation and something needs to be done. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're on it. Right. I mean, this guy is like, we need both feet in. We need everybody to stay on the plantation. I can't have anybody leave the plantation. The you know, the interesting thing is the unsaid part in that statement. Like, what happens if you leave the plantation? They talk bad about you publicly like they do my man from Duke or or they deny your transfer. I think those transfer uh, portals, right, have opened up a little bit. But even before that, you think about that. One of the basic rights we have in America is that freedom mm. of mobility, right? The yes. idea, I can go anywhere I want. I can go to any school I want, right? As long as I get in there, whatever. But or I could go job to job. I could apply for these jobs. I have these rights. Yeah. But when it comes to these so-called amateur athletes, they strip those rights away, right? And so if you want to yeah. transfer, your school or your coach has that say, oh, yeah, you could transfer, but you can't transfer in-state. Or you could transfer, but you can't transfer in-conference, right? Okay. And yeah, just, be, they used yeah. to be able to limit the schools you could transfer. Like, right. you can't – because, you know, we played them in 2025. You can't transfer there, right? Like, it's right. crazy. It's a clear violation of – like the basic concept of, of civil rights before you have Civil Rights Act of 1875, which, by the way, was unconstitutional in 1883, and before you had the Civil Rights Act of 1964, right? The basic idea of what people thought of was your civil rights was was those basic mobility rights, right? Like mm-hmm. this is you have these right to do this, do that. This is this is America, and college has restricted that right from the from the beginning because they don't want tramp athletes as as, as yeah. what they called them, right? Um, mm-hmm. and so, so amateurism is just the sham as people says, but post, you know, post integration, post mass integration, it starts to reek like a plantation. Well, cause I think this is the thing, right? Like, and, and, and cause I wrote a book on black college football, right? I think that there is a different kind of relationship between the, the HBCU 
you know, some of this is about timing, right? But like Eddie Robinson, right? When he's coaching Doug Williams and whatnot and Courage and then we get to the pros, that relationship is mutually beneficial because he cares about Doug. Yes, he wants Doug Williams to be, you know, an NFL player and be successful. But he also wants Doug Williams to be successful if he's a teacher or a doctor or a ditch digger. Like, you know what I mean? Like right. he don't like he wants him to be successful generally, right? And and because the money was so much smaller at HBCUs, like and that like there was no bonus to be getting because you know, Eddie Robinson wasn't making no bonuses, you know, tremendous amount of bonuses. Like he was well paid and compensated probably for his day, but it wasn't like astronomical. He wasn't making a hundred times more than the secretary uh, at the institution, right? Like this is where we, where you are now where, you know, mediocre coaches, you know, dudes who are getting fired are getting $20 million buyouts. Like if you played for Auburn, you're like, I just sweated my whole career and we lost. And what do I get out of it? I get, I may get a degree. I may make it to the NFL. But Gus Malzahn, the coach who led us to those, you know, these, you know, eight and five records, he gets $20 million to go away. Right. No matter what happens to me, he gets twenty or, $20 million. Or, right. Sarkeesian <laughs> at Texas, I think he gets an automatic bonus of a million if he's there in like 2025 or something like that. Right. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, and, it's crazy. It's it's bananas. And, and I think that it's, it's bananas because the 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 system that when you're talking about that you have 20 million dollars to pay a guy to go away but then talk about that you don't have money right. like and they have money like they get you know look I'm on I'm gonna be honest like these players are getting money but they are not getting sustained you know the thousand dollars or a couple hundred dollars here or even ten thousand dollars like pales into comparison to 20 million dollars <laughs> right like it's just, it's this is not even in the same this is not even in the same class or category, right? And so when you look at these head coaches and 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 what they're doing, like this is this is crazy, right? Like, and I think you're right. This long this long history of of you know exploitation at the collegiate level, especially now this relationship between PWIs. Like Creighton don't, probably doesn't have doesn't have that many black people in general. Uh, and so to be using plantation with a team that's probably at least 50% black um, is, is, is so problematic. I just don't even know what to do. Right. The school of Bob Gibson. No, it, it's, um, no, it, it, but it, like I said, it, it, you know, what I've said, I think a number of times here and on, on uh, the Twitters is if you have this thing called the internet, go to type in, <laughs> SI archive, uh, the shameful story of the black athlete. And when you get to that part on college athletes, you'll see that nothing's changed. Like nothing has changed in 70 plus, or I, I can't even do my math anymore in, in 50 plus <laughs> years. Right. 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 Nothing, no, right. Nothing's changed. Um, it's just the way these athletes are treated, uh, like, you know, like chattel. Um, yeah, how they're treated, how they're—it's um, the racism they face on campus. It's now you have this extra layer of these boosters that 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 we're talking about here. But but still, we saw that problem in the '60s in that book. On, I believe they talk about it in that book on Errol Campbell, right? Just how you mm-hmm. get integration, right? Um, right, and and that's the sad part of it, right? The thing that has changed is that there's more money in it. But the racism yeah. hasn't it's, gone away. No, and I, and look, I think you're absolutely right. Right, I think that the power relationships are still there. Right, and I think I just think that that the the money now makes it even more egregious than it was before. Right, before you just had power struggles. Right, whether we're talking about the Wyoming 14, where it's like we want to wear a black band. Now you got to get out of here. You kicked out of school. Right, like this is right. this is the the extremes. Right, uh, it was power, but now you have power on top of the fact that these coaches who are overwhelmingly white, uh, these athletic directors who are overwhelmingly white um, are getting intergenerational wealth on the, at the expense of these things, of these, of these black predominantly black athletes. This is problematic, dude. And I think that that's like, like there's no way to slice it. Right. And 
the schools that can pay the elite salaries, and this is the other part where they talk about black coaches, the schools that can pay the elite salaries, the Texases, the Oklahomas, uh, Penn, you know, Penn State is a black coach, but like a ham, Ohio State, these elite salaries, these top paying schools, Alabama are in the South and they're not hiring a black coach. I mean, Texas did that. And the, and the guy came out and was like, I don't think Charlie Strong's a good fit. The booster said that before he had coached a game. That's right, right, right. And that um, was doomed. Like, like that means that the whole thing was doomed. Like, I wanted Charlie. I was rooting for him. And it failed. But most coaches fail, right? Like, this is to understand that most of these coaches are going to fail. But when you're out there, like, you don't think Charlie Strong is the right guy with his resume, whose his resume is better than any of these other guys you brought in after him, better than Tom Herman, is better than Steve Sarkeesian. But, like, his – He's not the right fit. The right fit for you would meant that he was, as a black person, he was not, he wasn't suitable for whoever that booster was. Greg, I think it was McCombs or whatever. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Red McCombs. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I think that this is, is, is so, it's so utterly over problematic. Um, you know, they're still using the frame. I mean, we see this, right? This is the same problem that the Houston Texans have with, with Deshaun Watson. Right. They don't want to. Yeah. He, he, he's but because he's a professional and because he's getting paid and because he understands his market value, he can he's strong arm in this team. He's like, y'all either going to trade me because I'm not playing for y'all. And they, they're going to eat. They're going to be like, we're not going to pay you. And it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But McNair, the former owner of the Texans, also said that, you know, when they were kneeling, that the inmates are running the asylum. Right. Like yeah. this is a, this people is like, like using that term. <laughs> right <laughs> when referring to black people it's weird right um r- right. real quick on, on on this whole basketball front and mcdermott front we we posed this question uh a couple episodes ago when we did john thompson right mm-hmm. who's the next john thompson right Be, or 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 john cheney right for, for right. that matter or or nolan richardson that crap wouldn't happen right there's a couple things when i say what happened chance what's Shaka smart? We brought up Texas. What are these young black coaches? I saw Nolan Smith, who's an assistant at Duke, write something. Mm-hmm. I've seen actually uh, Terrence Wrencher. I believe he's an assistant at Creighton. He's, he's written something, but nobody's like, dude, you got to step down. This is, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like those elder statesmen, like a John Thompson who carried much respect. They're not, they're not there. And I think that's what's changed. I know I said, nothing's changed. The other thing, that's changed. I, I remember when I said 1968, things haven't changed, but how the black athlete goes about this. This mm-hmm. happens in 68. You don't have a black athlete playing for you that next game or that coach yeah. is not there. And, and, and if you keep that coach, guess what? The black athletes on those other teams aren't playing either. We brought up Wyoming, yeah. Oregon yeah. state, right? When Oregon state, when they forced that black kid to, um, this black kid to, to shave his mustache and then he left because of racism. Black athletes from on, on the West Coast, Oregon, Washington, right? All these schools, they wouldn't play against Oregon State. They boycotted that comp that game. And mm-hmm. I think that's the difference. You know, there's more of them, but but I think this this idea that you got something to lose and that 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 maybe it's a scholarship, but also maybe it's your your chance to get pros, that's changed tremendously. This this I'm telling you right now, if this happens in '68, coach is gone, players are walking off. There's no March Madness, right? None of that. Like maybe even the whole tournament would be well, would be. I up, think there's right? I think there's March Madness. I just think that there's um, I think that the issue is that like Creighton can't be in it, right? Like I think that's the problem, right? Like I think that people right. are going to to be like, oh, like we ain't playing Creighton until y'all get that dude off the floor. Right. Um, And I think that they, you know, like, uh, you know, you make a million dollars a year. You just, you know, the margins of error. Someone can do your job for a million dollars a year. That's what I keep thinking. You know, that's what his salary is. Right. And so I think that there's something to be said about like we always talk about how these coaches have to not only be able to to coach basketball, but they got to handle press conferences. They just got to know like in no way that you should just know. And my thing is, like, you work at a university. Right. And so like there you are surrounded. And so they'll be like, they'll ask for forgiveness and they'll be like, well, who should we talk to? And my argument is you were sleeping through the diversity and inclusion meeting early in the semester. 
right? Because you didn't, didn't think it was important. You didn't, didn't think it was important. I got black athletes on my team, right? Like, right. Like, I know. I know how to do. I know. That's not I know for me. them. I know them. That's not for me. That's for somebody else, right? Like, <laughs> and I think that that's where we are, man. And I think that these dudes are, um, you know, these coaches. I mean, I talked a little bit about this about at UK. It's like, look. We're here to help you so you don't make this mistake to understand. Like if, if you don't like like there are certain phrases that you need to cut out of your thing. Right. Like plan stay, stay on the plantation should have not been in your post game speech. Number one thing not to say stay on the plantation. Yeah, though, no, it's crazy. And, um, and, you know. I, you know, I just feel like these kids and I understand there are a limited number of division one scholarships and Creighton's got a pretty good basketball program. They play in the big six conference or in the big East now. And, um, you know, and I get it because there are a finite number of these positions and, um, but man, oh man, like you don't have to play at Creighton, dude. Like, that's the thing that, that blows my mind. Like, you don't have to go to Creighton, dude. Like you can go someplace else. Or, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? He, I mean, but the, I mean, like, yeah. like to me, it's like you could have went to DePaul, or you could, like, you know, what I mean, like there are other institutions. Like I, like nearly every one of those black players had other options, and that's not even talking about the HBCU option. If they can play in the Big Six, they could have been stars at North Carolina Central or Howard or something else. So, like, to my argument is like. There are so many other spaces that are that doesn't change the exploitative nature of college sports, but there are other spaces that value it more than what you could do on a basketball court, right? That they value your humanity better. There are other institutions, uh, and I suspect that if he said this, this ain't the first time that this came out like this. I'm gonna be honest, or, like, that can't or thought like this too, right? Yeah, and I, and I think. That's what we talked about, Doyle of Iowa and all these coaches, right? This idea, mm-hmm. not only this plantation idea, it's it's con- combine that with the Texas and you get, I'll send you back home, right? That, yeah. There's that, yeah. always that threat of, oh, you mess up, you're going back home. And and to these young black athletes, that that's them telling them, I'm sending you back to the ghetto, right? Mm-hmm. And that's... That comes out, I believe that comes out in the 68, but it, I've, you know, I've heard it before. I've heard it here at this institution, right? I'll send mm-hmm. you back, right? I did this for you. And I, and I think they have this mindset in college that they're doing these kids a favor um, that otherwise they wouldn't have this opportunity if it weren't for them, right? And it's just yeah. you reduce these guys to basketball players or football players and that's it. And and then you try to control them as much as possible. And when you're done, maybe you fa- maybe you have a, a cool Facebook relationship or, or send some <laughs> right right some memory. Oh yeah, remember when we made a tournament ten years ago? Yeah. But guess what? You they got nothing out of it. as you said about my man at Auburn, twenty million. Yeah. No, that's real. And I think that the other piece is. And we and this is and I don't really know and we would love to hear from listeners on this. I I feel like we have to figure out how to consult. I'm not trying to make money. I want I want parents. You know, one of the interesting things you realize when you talk to parents, um, because we've been in higher education for like the last twenty plus years of our lives, right? Like we understand all the levels like we understand the difference between an ivy league school and an hbcu we know the difference between an fau and an fiu and we know the difference you know like we don't just because of our experiences in higher education right uh and because we do sports we also understand the sports landscape in a real way and it's just like you don't really have to do these things right like you don't like you know we want them to make informed decisions to say like you know what is it about like they're always like i like the coach I like the thing. And I'm like, oh, okay, like, what is it about what you like the coach? Cause you talk to them on the phone. Typically they just like the assistant coach, right? Like that's who they like. Um, and I just feel like that's really the problem, man. And I think that I really think that a lot of student athletes um, are not making, they're making in limited in, they're making in decisions with limited information. And a lot of times the information they're thinking about is not necessarily the information that can help them be prepared for, uh, you know, the, the donors 
or uh, the coach saying something out of pocket, right? Because they don't have any, they don't have any kind of uh, um, vehicle to really understand those, that kind of thinking. You know what I mean? I think that's something, you know, and I think that sometimes like a lot of it's like, why don't we vote for, you know, why don't they go to HBCUs? And I'm like, dude, I think a lot of times we overestimate the number of black kids who know what HBCUs are, right? Like, mm. right. if you don't live in the South, like you're from California, right? Like you could grow up in LA and you might know about Howard, but you don't know the vast differences between Howard and Fayetteville State and all these different kinds of institutions, right? Um and so I think that there's some of that. And and I think that we, you know, we as concerned uh, as citizens in these communities have to make sure that student athletes um, that come across our path, man, that they have, inf- they make informed decisions. Right, right. You know, right. Like, you know um, and that's hard because if you're first generation college student or if you're, you know, like, you know, my mom went to Kentucky State. Like their their understanding of college is often rooted in the local, right? And what they see on TV. So it's like, yeah, I see Duke, I see Kentucky, I see North Carolina. I want to play for those schools. They on TV every week. But then if you're not getting a scholarship from one of those places and you get Creighton, you're like, well, they're telling you, like, look, you get to play at Georgetown and get to play in the Big East and da 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 da. And that may sound good, but you gotta, you know, if you're not from Nebraska, you gotta be in Nebraska. Right. And what right, is that? And right, what is right. and what's the campus culture like on that campus beyond athletics? Because they keep you isolated from the rest of campus. Um, you know, what are the kind of faculty uh, mentorship are you going to possibly like? Those are real kinds of questions, right? Um, let alone like degrees and majors and values of degrees and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, there's all kinds of variables that are not even being considered um, enough. So. I don't know. I, I, this is this plantation thing. This college thing is really sticks. Got in my you craw. bugging, huh? Yeah. No, it sticks in my craw because I do. I mean, I just think that the system is so ex- hyper exploitative, um, and 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 I just wish that. It, and I, it's frustrating because the kids themselves have a lot more power than they let on, and the power that they have is at the beginning of the process, not while they're there. You know. And I think that's no, part that's, of it. That's right. That's true. That's true. Once you make those informed decisions, once you learn how to make those firms informed decision, you're going to change, have the power to change this institution. But but I think on that note, man, I think let's it's time end to it get right out. there. Yeah, yeah, let's do let's it. Let's end it. All right. All peace. right. Peace.